Thanks for joining us at White Oak for this week's podcast. As we look at how God's servants applied that confidence in their walk with him. Our prayer is that this will encourage and strengthen your walk. So here we go. Hallelujah. Give the king a glory hand of praise. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. As we come into the house of the Lord, I thank God for the praise and worship, the songs of praise that lifted up the Lord and the music this morning. Praise the Lord for the word that was given. I praise God for the teaching that was given. I just praise his name for this day that he's created and he's given all of us here today to be together, come together and assemble together and worship the Lord together. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we go unto you today in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We approach your throne again this day, God. We lift you up. We praise you. We glorify you. We honor you. We give the best that we have unto you, for we realize you've given the best unto us. We thank you for the service so far, for the men and women of God, for those that have come out today to worship you, Lord, to learn of you, God. We thank you for the lessons that we've been taught. We thank you for the word that has been broken before us today. We thank you the opportunity to lift our hands before you today and our voices. We thank you for the music and the songs that give glory and honor and praise unto you. And we thank you, Father, for being here with us today. Thank you for bringing all of these out into your house today, God, and for what you're going to do. We want to give you praise already. In Jesus' name, and all the people of God said amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everything that has breath, let them praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Uh, I want to share with you today a word uh, about Daniel. Uh, thinking about Daniel today and thinking about Daniel last night, thinking about Daniel this week, thinking about all that's been happening. Uh, and I want to talk to you about angels. And I want to try to compile all of this together. I, I went up to the <clears throat> sound room this morning, gave them my note, and I said, sorry, I have so many scriptures. They said, hey, no, well, your wife has many more. I said, praise the Lord. Amen. That was a good word, Gracie. I like that. Very good. Rock split open and water came forth. Uh, the book of Daniel is divided into two parts. And as we begin to look at it this morning, one, Daniel 1 through 6, chapters 1 through 6, chapter 1 was written in Aramaic, but chapters 1 through 6 talks about Daniel and his friends. And then the remainder of it, 7 through 12, is the apostolic view, the vision that God gave him through the Word of God. So we talk about Daniel, his friend. Then we talk about, and I'm going to share with what's very unique about this. Because, you know, when you begin to look at the book of Daniel, study the book of Daniel, and you think about, oh, what a great prophet Daniel was. Daniel's not listed in the prophetic book when you look into the canon. He's not in there. You know why? Because uh, around 169, 1569 B.C., the Maccabees was arguing and they were fighting and the canon was already put together and the books was in there and Daniel's book was left out. But nevertheless, that don't make, he doesn't mean he's not a prophet. And what I love about Daniel is Daniel covers the past, the present, the future. He covers the entirety. So you're talking about a prophet. Daniel was a prophet. And I want to really emphasize on it today, the 10th chapter when I get there, about the 70th week, the prophetic word that was given to him pertaining to. But, but I want to mention to you as we go through this this morning, I want us to see something. Jonathan mentioned this morning about the second commandment of love. Love. He mentioned that. And how hard it is to love. How hard it is to love one another, but yet we love the Lord thy God, first commandment, and then we love our brothers as we do ourselves. And everything you and I do hinges on those two commandments, on our relationship to God and our relationship to each other. So with those thoughts in mind, I have so much I want to share with you, and I just pray that God gives the Holy Spirit a speed me up today so I can share this with you this morning because my wife called me last night about 9.30 or so, and I was still out there. She said, oh, when, are you coming home right now? I said, not right now, honey. I'm mixed up. I said, I'll be home. She said, well, I'm going to bed. Good night. 
And I'm still mixed up because there's so much of this, so much of this, but yet you can't get any of this unless you get all of this. You know, it's kind of like a lemon pie without lemons, you know? A pineapple cake without pineapples. So it's hard to get this unless you know who a prophet is for, and the time of his prophet, when he's prophesying, what's this all about. And I want to bring you all the way back to the beginning of the book of Daniel because as we go through this, not only in Daniel, but we're going to see in just a couple more of of the New Testament, angels were used. Now, I'm going to finish this so I can say something to you this morning. And if they cut me off today, go to our Facebook because I'm going to share something with you today. That, and I'm going to start out by just saying this right now. All right, listen to me carefully. We have an angel in the White House. It's not Donald Trump. We have an angel in the White House. Israel has an angel. A, a, little, a little nation that's no bigger than New Jersey. You know, I mean, the strip of land. There is an angel. Micah is the angel over Israel. He is the archangel over Israel. My friend, you have an angel this morning. You have an angel that watches over you. And I want you to know that we have an angel. America has an angel that's in charge. And we're going to look at the 21-day prayer of Daniel very quickly this morning and see there's an angel there. There's an angel there. God has dispersed his angels. Now, I believe like Israel, like us and other nations, they're not just created beings. They are archangels. Micah, Gabriel, they were archangels that were dispersed for the nations of, uh, of God. So we have angels. So then as we go on this morning, I want us to know that Daniel viewed the past. You, you know, we, we all got a past. The present, we're all going through something right now. My wife said this morning we're going through this pandemic, you know. And then he does the future. Now the unique thing about Dan Daniel in his prophecy Daniel prophesied all the way to the very end. You can pick his prophecy up in Matthew 24. He prophesied all the way to the very end of the happenings that are happening. All the way to the very end. He prophesied through it. He, you might say, he presents the entire picture. All of it. History. It's true perspective. No lies, nothing distorted. But he brings it all together. A complete view of the direction of our world, the direction of America, direction of Israel, Iran, Iraq. He gives us a direction, a direction of their past events and a direction of their present events and a direction of their ending events. Daniel, you ever thought of the name Daniel, what it means? It means God has judged. What a proper fitting for a prophet, an end-time prophet, because God is the final judge. So when we look at prophecy this morning, it's found on the basis of the promises of God that has been made unto the person whom God chooses. Many times don't even want to be chosen. You know, like when Elisha was chosen, Elijah threw his man on. He, you know, he really, he didn't want to, but, well, neither did Daniel. But there was something very special about the calling, you know, because God makes his will known to these prophets. Chosen material that he gives unto them to be done. Now, a prophet is a charismatic individual who is completely endowed with the giftings of God on his life of both receiving an important message from God and delivering an important message from God. He is an appointed messenger. Now, I want us to think about something, if I gave this to them right, uh, because I'm, 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 I'm on prophecy. And I want us to see, as we look in prophecy, I want us to see some things in the New Testament, and then I'm going to jump back into the Old Testament in just a minute. But go with me to the book of St. Luke. Now, as you go with me to the book of St. Luke 14, uh, I want to pull out some stuff to you that's very, very important. 
I'm going to show you how important it is in just a second. Our nation needs to look at this. Everybody, all the world needs to look at this. Our nation needs to look at this. In, in the book of Luke 14, 11, look what words is, is spoken here. Now, this is what God said. For whosoever exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself, he shall be exalted. Listen to this America. Now, don't stop there. I want you to jump with me real quick to the 18th chapter. This is how important. You know, God just don't repeat himself just to be saying something, but he repeats himself so we might be able to learn. 18th chapter, uh, verse 14 of the 18th chapter. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Now, abased means to be lowered. Abased means to be cut down. That's what it means. And in the latter story that we just read, it's talking about, remember the rich man? Remember the, the Pharisee and Republican went up before the Lord to pray and how one humbled himself before the Lord and how the other one boasted that he was not like this sinner, that he was not like this. And what did God said? One went down good, one went down bad. Well, I shared that with you that I want people to realize, not just you and I, but everybody is going to be judged according for two things. Number one, number one is how we treat Israel. Everybody. All every individual in all nations will be judged on the manner and how they relate and treat Israel. God said, I'll bless those that bless Israel. I'll curse those. I'll curse those. I will, he said, that curse Israel, my nation, my people, because they're the promised people of God. So with that thought in mind, and then also not only we're going to be just accordingly to what we've done with what God's given us. So if we shut it up and don't do anything about it, we're going to be just according to that which we shut up and did. And I want, I want, so I want to take these scriptures to share with you this morning to let you know that if we'll humble ourselves, God will lift us up. He will exalt us. But if we go around proud and haughty, if we go around and thinking of only ourselves, God will lower in us. Second thing, Acts 10. Now in Acts 10, as I was looking at Acts 10, this is Cornelius. This is Peter and Cornelius right here. And I'm going to begin to pick up some stuff that I, I told you about earlier. Now in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, go to verse 2 of the 10th chapter with me. and Look what it said. A divided man, one that feared God with his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw a vision. Now, what did Daniel do? He said, I'm, I'm compiling all this together. When's the last time you had a vision? Well, I'm not a, I'm not a prophet or a prophetess, so I don't, you know, when was the last time you had a vision or a dream? Listen, look what he goes on to say. He saw a vision exceedingly about the ninth hour of the day. Listen, an angel of God. An angel of God coming into him, saying unto him, Cornelius. Now let me tie this together. Peter has a vision. His vision was that of Cornelius. Cornelius was being told by an angel of the Lord where to go. He will find the man of God. And when he found the man of God, the man, not only did Cornelius, Cornelius was a Gentile. Now we're going to look at some Gentile kings in a minute that blessed Israel. But they cursed them too. But they blessed him. Daniel prophesied all the way up to the ending of, of Cyrus. That was the last kingdom that he held prophecy over. And Cyrus was a worldly, he was a heathen, he was a Gentile king, but he blessed, he blessed Israel. And as, as long as he blessed Israel, God blessed him. God blessed Belshazzar. God blessed Nebuchadnezzar. God blessed every king as long as they blessed his people. And the very moment they quit blessing his people, God cursed them. And their, their kingdoms, the only other thing was when they exalted themselves higher than God. That was Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar's problem. They, they exalted themselves to be higher than God. Look what I have done. Look what I have accomplished. Look what I have achieved. And they all blew it on those, on those points. Here we have Cornelius, 
that's praying, an angel of the Lord comes to him and speaks to him and directs him what he needs to do in order to get saved. At the same time, God was prepping Peter, who was a Jew, to, who had with nothing to do with a Gentile. That's just about as bad as, as a Jew having nothing to do with a Samaritan. But Peter bridged that gap. Jesus bridged the gap with a Samaritan woman at the well we have to bridge a gap in our nation today for those that we don't want anything to do with. We don't like the way they think, but we've got something to be concerned about because those people are doing things and saying things that's not only harming themselves, but it's harming you too. And we need to realize something. One day, listen, listen, one day every man and every woman that sits in any position of leadership and direction will be judged for every word and every thought, every idea and every action they do. So I look up and I say, Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. There are so many proud men and women in leadership today that's thinking so selfishly like Nebuchadnezzar, like Belshazzar, did like Cyrus did at one time only of themselves and what they've accomplished and what they've done is kind of like the rich want to get richer and let the poor grow poor but the bottom line is they want what they want but a prophet of the Lord came unto these kingdoms and I believe with all my heart a prophet of the Lord is coming unto the world today and he's prophesying unto these people and he's telling them the things that's going to happen and things that's going to take place. Go with me very quickly to the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter. You know, I like this, Genesis, Exodus, you know, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. I love how these things, they just roll together. 23rd chapter. Go with me to verse 20 of the 23rd chapter. And as we look at verse 20, I want us to see here something very unique. Behold, I send a what? An angel. Before thee to keep thee in thy way and to bring thee into the place where I have prepared. America has an angel that God has sent forth to direct. And there are those that want to restrain, withhold. We'll show you that in a second. 21. Beware of him and obey his voice. This is very powerful. America, listen to the voice of the angel. Listen to what he says. Beware of him, obey his voice, provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. That, that's, that's something people need to think about. But you know, they don't. Kings and kingdoms, they don't. They're so caught up in what they want to do. Nebuchadnezzar was so caught up in what he wanted to do. Belshazzar was so caught up in what he wanted until he saw the handwriting on the wall. But then it was too late. It was too late. Because, listen, verse 21, for he will not pardon nor transgress, for not my name is in him. It's going to be sad when God cuts off. 22, but if thou shalt indeed obey his voice, do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thy enemies and to thy adversaries until unto thy adversaries. For my angel shall go before thee. And, I'll go, and he'll go among the Amorites and the Perzites and the Hivites. And listen to the last part. And he will cut them off. So our angel is an angel from the Lord. An angel that's been sent unto the Lord to watch over us and to protect us. I don't know what kind of wings he's got. I don't know. I know he's not Michael Landon. But I know he's great and he's mighty. And he's in charge. And we need to listen to what, how he's trying to direct us, even though what other people may say. Now, in Numbers, and I'm not going to read all this, the 12 chapters, because it starts in verse 2. Now, listen carefully. This is the story of, uh, of Miriam and Aaron and Moses. Miriam and Aaron, they, they, didn't like Mo, they didn't like what Moses did. 
So they had a plan. They talked about him. They talked about him. And when they talked about him, you know who heard that really all that it mattered? God. God heard what they were saying about Moses. And God was angered. You can read it later. He was upset. He was furious. And he struck Miriam with leprosy. You know, leprosy, biblical, you die. And Aaron goes before and he, he, and he says unto Moses, pray the Lord. That was my sister. And Moses goes before God and prays that God will spare. And you know what God's answer is? Even if her father would spit in her face for doing such a thing. Woo, I, looked, I read that and I said, my gracious. Even her father would spit in her face for doing such a thing. Listen to these two next things I'm going to share with you. It's what God says. Even her father will spit in her face for doing such a thing because what she did was incorrect. It was wrong. So God said, I'm not going to let her off easy. And God did not. He put her outside the camp for seven days. Seven days for purification. Listen, she held Israel up. She was not able to move. Israel could not move for seven days because of what Miriam did. What you and I do affect others. What the church is doing right now, it's going to affect others. It's going to affect them. But listen, this is the sad thing. You go on over eight more chapters and you hear, hear very little, hardly nothing about Miriam. And after that, you don't hear anything else about Miriam. Those people that bring oppression, obsession, and doubt, and fear, and dismay to people that want to grumble, mumble, and complain. Remember the, how many spies went into the land to spy it out? Twelve? One from every tribe? Well, how come we only hear about two of them? Because ten of them came back with a bad report. God wiped them out. We don't even know who those other ten. But we do know who Joshua and Caleb was. So I'm here to tell you that this morning, we need to be careful about what we say about other people and careful what we do because God's got it all in store. It don't make no difference if it's a church or whatever. God's got it in store. And if we need some help, we need some power, you know, we have an angel that we can call on today. That's all we got to do. So I'm thinking we need to start calling on our angels. So with that thought in mind, go with me to the first book of Daniel this morning. God is using his angel. We need to use our angel. God is using his church. We need to get in alignment with God. God is using his church. Now we're going through a pandemic, the pandemic that's trying to distort everything and turn it out in another way. But the Bible tells us that through Christ Jesus, we are more than conquerors. The Bible tells us that we are more than able to overcome anything. Anything. A pandemic is nothing before the Lord. If God can strike someone with leprosy and if God can cure them from leprosy, hey, this pandemic, don't, because leprosy was incurable. And we're looking at this pandemic and they say, well, we don't have a cure for this thing. God does. All we got to do is make contact with God. You know, that's all we got to do. There is a cure. There's even a cure for sin. And sin is the most deadliest disease that's on this earth. It will banish an individual from the eternal presence of Almighty God. Babylon's king, Nebuchadnezzar, he was a Gentile king. And in his kingdom, uh, he had four special Hebrew boys. And he wanted, you know, everything to be right, you know. And drop with me real quick to verse 16 of the first chapter. Thus Mesra took away the portion of meat. This is the, uh, the uh, eunuch was put in charge over the boys because the king told them exactly what to feed them, exactly everything up so they would, he wanted the best because they were to be his advisors. So what the king did, he took these four boys through, through their name there, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and through, their, through them, then he took his boys and he was going to see which was the greater, which was going to turn out to be the best. Well, naturally, Daniel then, they didn't, they didn't want this stuff, you know, from the king's table. They didn't want all of this mess that he was going to feed them because it was unholy. It was unrighteous. It wasn't really good for the body, really. 
And this is what it has in verse 16. So he took the portions of their meat and their wine that they, and that they drank, and he gave them pulse. He gave them beans. You know, in the last few years, I've really got where I love beans. It's got a lot of protein in them. I like the green beans, the white beans, and the yellow beans, the purple beans. They're good because they're very nutritious. According to what the Bible says right here, they're very nutritious because they said, we don't want those stuff. So look, real quickly, drop with me to verse 20 now, and look what it says. And in all the matters of wisdom, understanding, the king inquired of them. He found them to be ten times better than the magicians, the astrologers that was in his ring. So I'm saying if we, the church, if we, the people of God, will get where God wants us doing what God wants us to do, then we'll, out, we'll outshine, we'll be smarter, greater, better. And you know why God makes us that way? So we give all glory and honor and praise to him. Daniel said, this is not me that's doing this, it's God. On every occasion that he had interpreted a dream, he said, this is not for me. I don't want anything. This is not for me. But this, this came to me because of my God. I want to give this to him, to, to my God. So through all of the astrologers and sorcerers, Daniel just played them out, I mean to tell you. Chapter 2, real quick this morning, I tell you, i got to go. Verse 27, look, look with me now. Daniel answered in the presence of the king, and he said, The secret which king has demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers, show this unto the king? Can he not show these things to you? But there is a God in heaven. Thank you. There is a God, church, in heaven. That revealeth secrets and makes known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days, the dream and the vision of thy head upon thy bed. In other words, he says, there is a God that can do this. There is a God that can do this, he says. Go with me to verse 47 real quickly. The king answered unto Daniel, and he said, Of a truth it is that your God is God. See what kind of effect we can have on our nation if we would just only listen to the Lord and do what God wants us to and after all of this and his dream and his interpretation, I'm, I'm going quickly because I don't have much time. I want you to get this. There's an angel that's over us, and we need to be listening as God directs us. The king answered unto Daniel, and he said, As of a truth it is that your God is the God of gods, your Lord is the king and revealer of secrets, seeing thou couldst reveal this secret. So, Daniel, since you're able to tell me this secret, this dream I had, this vision in my bed, yeah, hey, this lets me know your God is the man. He is the God of all gods. And look what happened. King made Daniel a great man and gave him great gifts and made him a ruler over the providence of Babylon, the chief of governors, over all the wise men of Babylon. This is what he did for him. So what happened was Daniel received a blessing from God. Everybody wants a blessing. If you want a blessing, Grace was talking about they needed water. We're about to perish. Don't you care that we perish, you know? If you need water, who gave them water? You got to go to God. Because what did he say? If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. If you hunger after the things of God, they will come unto you. It may not come in your time span. It may not be done the way that you want it. It may not even be the flavor you want, but you'll get it. But then if you're right exactly where you need to be, listen, the Bible says he'll give you the desires of your heart. We've got to go on. How soon Nebuchadnezzar was forget what he had done for those four boys? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel. How soon a government forgets where its blessings come from? Who watches over it? How soon we forget the many times that God sent us forth rain and God sent us forth a blessing and God sent us forth the sunshine. God sent us everything we needed at the right time. God sent us the right men and women. God put everyone in their place. How soon we are to forget, though, we are not no longer pleased with them. We're not pleased by the way that we're being blessed. We feel like we need to be blessed even more. We're no longer thankful for the things that God has done for us because we feel like somebody else is getting more than we're getting. It's called selfishness. So then we look here 
chapter 3, verse 10. O king has made a decree. O king had to make his decree. What got him to do that? Pride, selfishness. Pumped him up. He had made a decree. Verse 11. And whoso faileth, falleth down and, and not worship, then he should be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And you know what, church? You know who heard about this decree? And you know what he did immediately? Daniel heard about it, and immediately he ran, and he opened his window up in his room, and he began to talk to his Lord. Immediately, this is what Daniel did. Verse 18. But it not be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve the gods or worship the golden image what's going to, that you set up in Nebuchadnezzar. He with fury, because he, they want to get rid of Daniel. They want to get rid of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, want, they love to get rid of the church. They love to snuff it out. But I got news for them. Church is going to be here forever. God is not going to rapture the world. He's going to rapture the church. God's not going to rapture Israel or the United States. He's going to rapture his church, his bride. That's what God's going to do. He's going to rapture his bride. Verse 22 real quick. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace was heated up hot, the flames of fire slew the men that threw them in there. But I love this story because God is in it. Verse 30, let's, let's look at verse 30 of this third chapter. Let me back up just a little bit because I want to give you a picture here. Verse 28, excuse me. Verse 23, and, and these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished when he rose up in haste and he spake, and he said unto his counselor, didn't we cast three men in there in the midst of this fire? Well, they answered, yes. Yes, O king. True, O king. Oh, yes, you, O king. Oh, bless you, O king. Oh, you wonderful, O king. They'd probably kiss his bottom because he is the king. Oh, yes, master. Oh, yes, master. But Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel would not budge. There was only one God to worship. And listen what happens here. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt. And listen, and the fourth one is likened to the Son of God. A heathen, Gentile king recognizes the Son of God. You know why the world today is not recognizing Jesus? It's because the church is not living the example it should in the world today, in public today, in our society today, to share them who Jesus really is. The king said, there's another man walking around. And when these men come out, I know those men was burned to a sunder that threw them in, but look, there's no smoke on their clothes. You know, I love that commercial on TV where the guy, he's kind of flirting with this woman and he's lighting his, his charcoal grill and he throws the match on and it goes, boom! And it just fringes it. I mean, it just singes everything. And she walks up to him and she said, you don't have any eyebrows. He just like looks at her like, who needs them, baby? This is, what this is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel were saying. Who needs your God? Who needs to worship this statue? He need, who needs a king? We got a king of kings. He is the man. If you're looking for someone, he is the man. And then he goes on to say that Nebuchadnezzar spake and said to them, verse 27, and the princes and governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was their hair or singed, neither was their coat charred, or neither was there any smell. And listen what happens now. Nebuchadnezzar, a Gentile, says, spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has set his angel." and delivered his servants and trusted in him. And you know what he did? He changed the word of the king. 
He changed the wording of the king. You got to go on. How soon Nebuchadnezzar is, you know. He promotes them on one day. He demotes them on another day. It's like I only want you when I want you, and I really don't want you, but you're going to tell me what I need you. Not what I want to hear. We look at people in the United States of America. They, I don't want them to tell me something I want to hear. I want them to tell me the truth. But the problem is they don't want to hear the truth. I can listen to them and I can find out a truth that they're going in, but will we be voiced enough to tell them a truth that they might be able to see what's happening? So Nebuchadnezzar forgets. After Nebuchadnezzar comes Belshazzar. We pick him up in, in the fifth chapter. Well, let's go to chapter 4 real quick. I want to read you something in verse 9, chapter 4. O Belshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in thee and no secret trouble thee, tell me that the vision of my dream that I have seen and interpret it. We go back up to verse 7. We had the magicians, the astrologers that are there. Verse 8, Daniel came in before the men and Belshazzar according to the names of his God. And, and what happens here? He says, I'm going to tell you, Belshazzar, exactly what's going on. Could you tell somebody today exactly what's going on? Can you look at what's happening in our country today and tell somebody exactly what's going on around us? Can we tell them, Daniel, and tell them where we're headed and what's going to happen? Not only tell them why these things are happening the way that they are, but also tell them how they can alter and change these things that they don't have to happen that way. I look at verse 11 right here of, of this fourth chapter, and it says, And then the tree grew, and it was strong, and the height thereof reached forth unto the heavens, and the sight thereof to the ends of the earth. This is his, this is his dream. Let me go fast forward. His dream was he was such a powerful man, such a great man, such a mighty man, and yet he was a boastful man. He, he was going to lose everything. God was going to put him in the cold. God was going to make his fingernails grow like the claws of an animal. God was going to curse him to be outside of the kingdom of God because of what he was about to say. See, there's nothing wrong with being rich. It's, how, it's not. It's how you appropriate it, and it's what you feel about it. You know, it's just like having, there's nothing wrong with having a barbecue sandwich if you can eat barbecue. You're not supposed to eat barbecue, then don't eat it. There's nothing wrong with a banana sandwich unless you're allergic to bananas. The king was allergic to pride, selfishness. The Bible says here in verse 8, 18, it says, This dream I, the king Nebuchadnezzar, has seen, that how Belshazzar declared the interpretation, therefore, he rise before the kingdom are able to make known unto this. Now go with me real quick to verse 30. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom of my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? And while the words was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom will depart from thee. So Nebuchadnezzar is going to lose his kingdom and it's going to go to Belshazzar. Belshazzar is going to lose his kingdom because of the very same thing that Nebuchadnezzar had. He had pride. He had selfishness. He had self-centeredness in, in, in his life and that's what he really cared about. If we go this morning to chapter 6, real quickly, verses 1 and 2. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes that they should be over the whole kingdom. And over these presidents of whom Daniel was first. So then therefore, when Darius comes into the pitch of the Medes, when the Medes come in and take over, when Nebuchadnezzar is gone, and the Medes come in and take over, then Daniel is still promoted. Daniel is still of his class because of his relationship to God. He gets thrown into a furnace. 
He gets thrown into a lion's den. I really love with Belshazzar when, when, you know, when he made his pro proclamation and they, they, they threw him in the lion's den. I really love this. When the king came the next, because you see, we see here, well, let's read it, all right? Hallelujah. I just look at the clock, I look at you. And then I had a Holy Spirit just going in my mind. I haven't even scratched the surface yet. But listen, don't worry, you're going to get out on time. You're going to get out on time. You, you, you found out hard to believe, don't you? But you're going to get out on time. Because we don't have a time. That's so going in a minute. Go with me very quickly to verse 10 of the sixth chapter. Now Daniel knew that the writings were signed in the house, the window being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. I'm going to pray just like I always pray. Big deal. Verse 14. The king that heard these words, he was displeased with himself. He set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. In other words, he's ashamed of the decree that he had made now. But he can't change it. Why? Medes and Persians signed law. Can't alter it. Can't change it. Can't do anything about it. So what happens here to the king? He gets real upset in himself because he's made a decree. Now he knows it's, it's sorry. It's no good. It's rotten. It's to benefit my pride. But he can't do anything about it. So he goes that night. Daniel is, is getting, you know, he, here he is. He's in the lion's den. So I don't want no music tonight. I'm going to fast tonight. A heathen king fasting. I'm going to fast tonight, you know. But listen to the words. Read it. I don't have time. But he looks at Daniel and he says, Daniel, your God that you believe in, he will protect you. He said that before. He said, your God that you believe in, he will protect you when he was exiting, when he was leaving. But yet, all night long, he was filled with fear and worry. There are a lot of Christians today that are filled with fear and worry. They look and say, God, I know you're going to take care of me. And then in the same breath, they say, oh, I'm so scared. I'm so worried. I'm so troubled. Fear is of the enemy. Very quickly, verse 19. The king arose very early in the morning. He went in haste to the lion's den. And he came to the den. He cried out in lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually able to deliver thee from the lion? In other words, he spoke it. Your God's going to take care of you. He comes and now he says, Did your God take care of you? Verse 21, O Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. I love it. My God has sent what? His angel. And he shut the lion's mouth. There, there's angels all around us. Hallelujah. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip. Go with me, please, to Daniel the ninth chapter. I've got to get into this. The seventy-week prophecy that Daniel is prophesying about here. Uh, it picks up, I want to pick up in the ninth chapter. I want to go to verse 20 real quick. And while I was speaking and praying and confessing my sins, this is one of the notable things about Daniel. Not only did Daniel pray for the nation of Israel and their sins, but he also prayed for his sins. Always prayed for his sins. And it says here, Before the Lord my God, the holy mountain of my God, yea, while I was yet speaking in prayer, even the, the man Gabriel, if you don't know who the man Gabriel is, then that's an angel whom I had seen in a vision and beginning causing to fly swiftly, touch me about the time of the evening oblation. About that time he came. Now I'm going to try to break this down real quickly, okay? Here in chapter 10, Verse 1, it says, the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed. A thing was revealed. What's he talking about, a thing being revealed? A word. A word was true. When the thing was revealed, it was the truth or the word that was true that came from God. The truth was revealed to Daniel. It came from heaven. It didn't come from a governmental situation, from a kingly situation. It came unto him from heaven, and it was appointed to be long. What does that mean? 
glad you asked. It means that Daniel's dream would stretch to the end of time. His dream was appointed to be long. So what we have here, it was a word that was true. It came from heaven, and it was going to be for long. It was spiritual, but it was eternal also. Don't that just make chills on you? It was spiritual, but it was eternal, meaning that it would be everlasting from everlasting. The word of the prophetic word of God that Daniel was about to share in the 70th week would be for all eternity. In other words, there'd be no turnarounds, no changes. Remember what, what he said unto Miriam and, and, and to Aaron when you speak against the, the man of God? It's not good for a nation to speak against God. It was made plain to him. In other words, he said it was operating under the understanding of God. It was plain as day. Have you ever heard something it'd be kind of fuzzy? I really got where I really dislike cell phones now because they get so fuzzy, so staticky. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the covers on them or the reception that's on them. I don't know what it is. But as I get where I can't hear well, I hate cell phones. It's like, don't ever try to call me on my house phone. I cannot hear you. It's so staticky. It's almost as bad as the churches. Don't call me at church. Come see me at church. So what he's saying here, it was a clear understanding that this word came from God. In verse 2, he was moving and he was praying. Listen, for three full weeks, 21 days. He was praying for himself. He was praying for the nation of Israel. And for 21 days, he had been praying. Listen, don't give up. It ain't over till God says it's over. It may not look good, but that don't mean it's not good. I've eaten things that didn't look good and they were delicious. And I've eaten things that looked good and they were terrible. So you better quit going by looks. Many years ago, he's gone on to be with the Lord now. This young man that I knew I grew up with in the same neighborhood, he was about three years older than I was. He met this young lady out in, in a different area. and uh, they, they were dating. They were going together. And uh, they got married. And one day a, a man came to him and he said, you know what, your wife is so good, you should eat her up. He said, I wish I could. <laughs> that would have set in with you in a little bit too. His sins. He was asking God to forgive him of his sins. He was asking God to forgive Israel of her sins. 21 days he was praying for the sins, his sins, and the sins of the nation of Israel for 21 days, three weeks, you know, he had been praying. He was frustrated, but he didn't faint. He fainted not. He denied himself of all pleasures. You can look here at verse 4 through 6, and it will tell you that uh, he did not receive. He took the very minimum. For 21 days, he fasted, in other words. He did not please himself. Verse 7 says, as Daniel alone saw this vision for the men that were with me, they didn't see it. They didn't see the vision. Only Daniel saw this vision. Only those that are close to the Lord will be able to see the visions of God. The other individuals, it was not even recognizable to him. And yet another thing that's noted in history about this vision is that this vision was of the same one as John had received on the Isle of Patmos, meaning that it was in the same revelation or same vision form that John had on the Isle of, of Patmos. In other words, those that are not able to see the vision are not fit for the vision. Just like those that are not able to enter into the kingdom of heaven, they're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. But God made all the provisions to make us fit for the kingdom of heaven. So if we don't go, it won't be God's fault. And it, it, through this reality, when when Daniel saw this, this light, it manifested itself within it, and he could vision Christ. Now note, there's another man in the Bible. He was uh, named Saul, who became Paul. He saw a light too, did he not? And but, yep, yep, but he didn't see Christ. Scales came on his eyes, so he was unable to behold. So then the, who was he? he? Paul, who was Saul, was going to be... Uh, to become 
the great Pumpa, the head macho of the Orthodox Jew, head knocker rabbi, big man, top man. That's where he was headed to. But Jesus blinded him, but he didn't see Jesus. Daniel saw Christ. This is Old Testament now. Jesus hadn't come yet. But Daniel sees Christ in this. And when he sees Christ in this, what he saw here, you know, because many people have a, a spirit of fear and bondage, they're not able to see the things of the Lord that they need to see. Saul had bondage in his life. I don't care how religious he was. I don't care how well he knew the Old Testament. I don't care how he could interpret. He had baggage. He had bondage in his life because he was a persecutor of the church. He couldn't see. He was blinded. Daniel, on the other hand, was praying for his sins and the sins of the nation of Israel. He could see Jesus clearly. And yet when he saw Jesus, he saw him, but he couldn't bear it. Did you know nobody could bear Moses went up on the mount. What's the first thing God told him? He said, pull your shoes off, son. You're on holy ground. You can't walk before me in those filthy earthly shoes. What was the first thing Jesus teaches us at the communion after it's all as we enter into the world? He said, we need to wash one another's feet. It's fellowship. It's servanthood. He's teaching us. So as we're looking at this, Daniel saw in verse 8, the Bible says right here, I was left alone. In other words, I had a great vision and nobody could see it but me. But he said, I lost my strength. I retained no strength. I weren't able. He said, I fell prostrate before the Lord and I had no strength whatsoever. He, he, he heard his voice and he knew what he was saying, but he just didn't have enough strength to get up. Verse 9, real quickly. He threw himself prostrate before the Lord. That's what we all, the church today, needs to throw itself prostrate before the Lord because we're just not where we need to be. We're just not where we need to be. He threw himself. Verse 12 tells us before God gives us strength and power, we first must see our weaknesses. Here Daniel was prostrate before the Lord. He couldn't speak. He couldn't get up. He couldn't do anything. And yet God strengthened him. When did God strengthen Daniel where he would be able to see everything, hear everything, and speak everything? It's when he said, God, I'm weak. I'm nothing without you. Where did Nebuchadnezzar, where did Belshazzar, where did Cyrus get in problems when they exalted themselves, thinking themselves to be greater than God, when they exalted things in their life and put them before they did God? But now we have Daniel who does not exalt himself. He's lost all of his strength, and he seeks out the Lord. We today, we are weak, but he is strong. We are nothing, but he is everything. And when we go prosper before the Lord and seek out God in our life, then we will be able to be raised unto the manifestation that we'll be able to see God as we should see him. Moses wanted to see the Lord. Grace said it this morning, he was in the crack of the rock. He was in the cleft of the rock. He was unable because in his vessel he was unfaithful fit, unholy, sinful, and he could not behold the glory of the Lord. Daniel saw the manifestation of the glory of the Lord in this vision, and he did it because of an angel. Not only did Daniel have an angel, he had Jesus Christ by his side. Hurry and give me a few more minutes. He set him up upon his hands, and upon, can you imagine him? He's on his hands and he's on his knees and he's being strengthened by God. And then he touches his lips. If not, he would have been dumb. He wouldn't have been able to say anything. Every time God touches us, he strengthens us. Every time. We are strengthened by the hand of God. The hand of God's power alone with the works of grace is what we're missing today. We're missing the hand of God. Don't be a haughty king that sits and drinks off in the vessels and gold of God and make mockery in front of what you have and of God who you stole it from and think that the hand of God will not appear in your life and write words. And on that word that is written, it said, you have been 
weighed and you have been balanced and you have been found in want, I'm going to take it all away from you. God did from Belshazzar. Don't be weighed and balanced and found yourself in want because all of us are in want without Jesus. We need somebody to step on the scales with us. The church needs somebody to step on the scales with us. We need to become bold enough and brave enough and loud enough in our world today to proclaim that this is what the Lord says. We can do it. We are his children, but preacher, you don't understand. I may go in a lion's den. Well, if you're right with God, he'll go in there with you. But preacher, you, it may could be even worse. You and me or one or two more, we might be thrown in a fiery furnace. If our life is right, then what you worried about? You know what those boys said when they were going in that fiery furnace, when they, when they were going to go in? Our God is able, O King, to deliver us from thee. Our God is able. Give me three minutes, okay? Our God is able. He silenced the fear that Daniel had when he touched his lips, when he touched his body. He silenced his fear. He encouraged him. He gave him hope. He knew he had heard his prayers and he knew what he was doing. I look here at, at this verse 12 of the 10th chapter, and, and look, look what he said. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, from that first day that thou settest thy heart to understand it. The first day that you, your life was the first day that you've talked to me, the first day you made things. But it doesn't stop there, church. Look at verse 19. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be ye strong. Be ye strong. You know what God said to Daniel? You are greatly loved. I greatly love you, Daniel. By, by his word, life was put back into Daniel again. The words that he heard the first day, he let him know, I've been listening to you all along. I've been hearing what you've been saying. And that's why when I say in verse 20, then he said, Knowest thou wherefore I have come to thee? Know that I have come to thee. See, we need to know that whatever you're going through right now, you need to know that God's coming to you. If he hadn't got there yet, he's coming to you. And there's nothing no greater than God. There's nothing that God cannot do. There's nothing that God cannot overcome. With God, there, all things are possible, he said to those that believe. Verse 14, he says, I want to know what's going to happen to the people in the latter days before I tell them. That's what he's saying to Dan. In the latter days, I want to know what's going to happen to the people. Daniel has always been concerned for the church. Did you know what Daniel is looking at right here? He's not looking at just the nation of Israel. He's looking at the church. He's looking at the end time movement of God. He's looking at the last days of God on this earth. He is looking to the ending and returning. Because why? Daniel is the first recording in, in the word of God, in the Old Testament, of the resurrection of the dead. Now when is that going to happen? At the rapture of the church. At the rapture of the church. Daniel is the first one of all the prophets in the Bible. He was the first one to record the rapture of the church. The resurrection of the dead in, in, in Christ. So, verse 13. An angel came only to be in one place. See, Daniel's got a problem here because he's been praying for 21 days now. Now, I know God. He's omnipresent. I know, but... An angel can only be in one place. And Daniel had been praying for 21 days, and when he was questioned about his praying here, the angel had told him in verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. I was held back. In other words, listen, it was more important for me to be right there for 21 days where I was. I could have come... You know, it didn't say that he was held back. There's two views of this. One view is a historical view that there with the king of Persia was battling against Jerusalem at that time and the angel of the Lord stood there with them and, was, and withstood so they would be able to prevail. Another one is about the ending of, of, of time when the angel of the Lord shall, 
shall come and stand against those that are against the church. But whatever, an angel cannot be, he, he not like God, one angel per place or two angels per place or whatever. An angel can only, he's just like the devil. Because you know the devil was an angel. He's a fallen angel. Created be fallen angel. Lucifer. But he cannot be in this church in a church down the road. But he can have his imps there. He can have them, his, his demonic spirits there. But he can't. So what he said was, I wanted to come, but it was much more important for me to be there than it was here. He said, I knew God was going to take care of you. And did Daniel give up? No. He prayed more. He fasted more. He sought the Lord more. And after 21 days, he shows up. So, friends, I'm saying to you, don't give up. If it hasn't happened yet, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It, listen, listen, don't, don't be selfish like Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar or Cyrus. You know, don't be selfish. Think about somebody else that God's attending to right now. Think of, you know, I mean, God is here and he's in every church there is in the world today that's proclaiming the gospel because God is a spirit and he's everywhere. His Holy Spirit lives in you. But don't, let's not be selfish. Let, let's hang on just a little bit longer and say, well, this, if this is what you want, God. See, Daniel's thing was, I want to glorify you. I want to glorify you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's thing was, I want to glorify you. I want to manifest God in this place. And by doing that, God blessed them. I want to close with this. An angel can only be in one place at one time in one encounter. An angel takes care of of the affairs of the church. But the prince is the one in charge of the church. Uh, let me back up if I may. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me once to 20 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, we have a prince. We could have known him as, as Jesus Christ. We have a king. We could note him as Jesus Christ. The church has the highest archangel that there is to watch over it. We have the Prince of Peace to bring us consolation within us. We have the King of Glory to give us the authority to sustain us. And we have the Lord of Salvation that will help us overcome. He presides in all of our church affairs, if it's a business meeting or if it's a soul-winning meeting with just one individual, he is in all of our affairs. I say to you today, friend, Daniel had an everlasting, went through eternity, vision, a vision. He had a vision because he was a true prophet. A lot of people get upset. Well, I'm not listed there in the canon. But I, I would say he's as much so, if not more so, as any other prophet. He should be in the canon. But because of a little fuss betwixt the Maccabees, couldn't get it in there before it was all put together. Somewhere around 169 B.C. Big deal. Daniel was interested in so. He was interested in what's going to happen to the church. What's going to happen to Israel? My friend, think very carefully this morning before you say anything. Get haughty, upset, make declarations. Think, am I glorifying God? Friend, don't quit. You've come too far to quit. Don't give up no matter what someone says because you've come too far we're almost home. According to Daniel in Matthew 24, we're almost home. Read it. We're almost there. Jesus is about to return. If you look at the prophetic teachings of the day's time that we're in and look at the great men and women of God, the prophet and prophecies today that are in alignment with the prophets of the Word of God, we're almost home. So if we're not saved, you need to get saved. If you're not ready, you need to make yourself ready. And if you're already and you're getting tired and weary, hang in there. Because Jesus is almost here. He's almost here. Friend, let's us commune together as we dismiss.
Oh, Lord, I thank you for your body that was broken for me. Humiliated, disgraced. I thank you for your body. Whipped and beaten. Falsely accused. Thank you, Lord, for your body. And you said, as often as I do this, I do remember the price you paid for me. I do remember what your body went through for me, Lord. Let's eat it together. Lord, as we open our cup and we drink, Lord, of this cup, we're reminded of your blood, Lord, that flowed so free. And it flowed not only on me, but it flowed on thee. That whosoever will could fall underneath that cross for the ground is so level there. Not just a thief that hung by your side, but a centurion that looked and said truly, this was the Son of God. As often as we drink of this, we do remember the price of our salvation through the blood that was shed on Calvary's hill. So to you, Lord, we give all honor and praise and glory until we sit in your kingdom and enjoy this together one day. Now we drink it in Jesus' name. Father, as we close our service today, make us men and women like Daniel. Don't let us be proud or, or boasty, selfish of thinking of only ourselves like Nebuchadnezzar or Belshazzar or Cyrus, Lord. Make us more like Daniel. Let us be able to see the visions. Let us be able to see what God has in store for us so we can warn others and share with others, Lord. You set it all aside, Father. Keep us keeping on, Lord, that we may do all that you called us to do and be able to finish, Lord, the course through your Son, Jesus Christ. Bless all that have come this way. Touch each household member that's here today. Bless the families, Lord, their children, the grandchildren. Watch over them, protect them, and bless them, Lord, as they endure and go forth in another week. We know you're there. Father, send forth our angel of protection this day. Guard us and direct us, Lord, that we do not go astray. Help us, Lord, that we may help others. For all we want to do is bring glory and honor and praise to you through your son Jesus. And his people said amen. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. We believe his words will establish that confidence within you and direct you for his predestined purpose for your life. See you next week, and don't forget to download our app so you can stay connected with us.